Well, I hope everybody now knows that they are a child of God. Now, in my talk, I'm going to need maybe half a dozen of the younger ones accompanied by adults, please, just to come out, because you have a little activity to do which uh, in a moment. So maybe, let's say, if you're eight and under, perhaps you could just come and sit on the steps for a few minutes, because I've got a job for you to do in a moment. Now, if you're a grown-up and you've been coming for the last few Sundays, you will have heard five of the seven I am's of Jesus. And today we're coming to the last one. I'm not sure whether Mark got his planning wrong or deliberately left it out, but we've left out, where is he? We've left out one of the I am's, I think. The door. Right, so we've only had six of the seven. So if you're feeling short-changed about this series on the I am's of Jesus... Mark will very happily give you a 30-minute talk on the Jesus said, I am the door, right after this service. All right? That's fine. So we're coming to the last one today. And it's the last I am that Jesus said before he went out the night before he was arrested. And Reuben is going to come and read this to us in his loudest, clearest, slowest voice. Aren't you, Reuben? Yes. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Thank you very much. Read in a very good, deep bass voice there, Ruben. Well done. Now, could anybody here remember what the first words of that reading were? Very, Jesus said, I am the... They can have a bit of help. Yes, the vine. Nobody actually said that, but yeah. <laughs> I am the vine. Now, who knows what fruit we get from a vine? And there's a very big clue somewhere. Let's see if we can get it down here. Grapes. Yes, we get grapes. And look, here are two plates of delicious grapes. Would anybody like a delicious grape? Ooh, lots of hands have gone up. So what I'm going to ask you to do, assisted by these your glamorous mothers, is to take these two plates of grapes and put them into cups, and then when you've filled up a cup, go round and give them out to everybody in the church. So you'll have to help organize this. So if you could just put them one by one into the cups, they have very clean hands, all antiseptic gel went on there beforehand. So nobody will be harmed in the eating of these grapes later on. So while they're all engaged on that, and hopefully absorbed and quiet, we're going to get on with the talk. Now, 
Actually, so we're going to talk about vines. Does anybody know where the biggest vine in the world is? Somebody was that somebody was here at the morning service? I can't hear. Kew Gardens. No, it's not. Close. It's Hampton Court Palace. And it's 250 years old, and it was planted by a very famous gardener called Capability Brown. Uh, I say it's the biggest and the oldest. No doubt a certain Mr. Trump will probably say he's got a bigger, much older one somewhere on a golf course that he owns. This particular uh, vine is actually um, 36.5 metres The biggest branch is 36.5 metres long. Now, before I get hauled off and sent to prison for using metric measurements (laughs) by my MP, Lord help us, 36.5 metres is 120 feet long, or, to please him even more, it's um, seven and a quarter perches or um, 80 cubits long. So this branch is 80 cubits long. And at its height, it produces 650 pounds of grapes. That's an enormous amount of grapes. And Jesus said, I'm a vine, and you're my branches, and you're to produce a lot of grapes. Now, here's a, here's a big profound question. Why are we here? What are we for as Christians? What is our purpose? Now, I'm not going to ask, I'd like a teacher here, because I know the answer, and you'll shout out all the wrong answers, I think, probably. (laughs) So, I've got the answer here, but there there are lots of answers, of course. Actually, let's have one or two. Why do people think we're here? To worship God. God. I thought that might be hot on the list. Anything else? Rob? Fellowship. Fellowship. Okay, there's a couple of good answers, and they're quite right. But, I wonder if you know what the very first words that God said to humanity. What do you think? They, you might think they would be, love me with all your heart, walk in my ways, follow my ways, and I will bless you. And those words do appear. But they're not. So, my first reader is going to come out and tell us the very first words that were said in the Bible to humanity. Nice, loud, slow, clear. Be, be fruitful and increase in number. Genesis 1 verse 28. Say it again. Be fruitful and increase in number. Genesis 1 verse 28. Brilliant. Be fruitful. As the first command saying that God gave to humanity. It's kind of saying, just go and make some babies. Just fill the world with babies. And some of you have done quite well on that. And there's a good, there's a good few of them down here. So, at the heart of our purpose is that we are meant to be full of fruit and increasing in number. You know, the first miracle that Jesus did was also about grapes, wasn't it? It was when he, he didn't make a man who'd been all his life better. He didn't raise someone to life. He didn't cure a famine. What did he do? 
he, he made a party go much better. That's what he did. Because he, when the wine was running out, he said to them, see those stone jars, fill them up. And they filled up, turned into wine. And he didn't just make 12 bottles of wine, guys. He didn't make 36 bottles of wine. He made over 900 bottles of wine. I could do with that cellar, couldn't you? 900 bottles of wine. Totally unnecessary. One firkin would have produced 150 bottles of wine. That would have been fine. But no, the fruitfulness and the generosity of God extended to that. And that was the first miracle. And the first words to human beings are, go and be fruitful. And St. Paul, writing to Christians, comes and says something similar. So who's our second reader here? You belong to Jesus so that you might bear fruit for God. Romans chapter 7. And again, that was so well read. You belong to Jesus so that you might bear fruit for God. Romans chapter 7. You belong to Jesus, not so you can sing loads of songs, not even so that you can have lots of mates and friends in church, uh, not even so you can know lots of things. You belong to God in order that you can bear fruit. That's why you belong to God. That's why part of our calling. So, that's what we're about. So, what is all... Ah, right, how are we, how are we getting on here with the uh, grapes? Right, so, would you very carefully go around and offer these grapes, these lovely, juicy grapes, signs of God's fruitfulness and generosity to us? So take them around. You can have some yourselves and then come back and fill them up if there are any more. Now, what does this scripture mean by fruit? Well, there are two kinds of fruit that are spoken of, really, in the scriptures, which are to characterize our lives, to characterize the life of all saints, to characterize the life of the Church of England. Lord help us. And these are, the first one is this. And it comes from the Old Testament, and it comes from what we said. The first injunction was to be fruitful and increase in number. And Noah was told to increase in number. And Abraham was told to increase in number. And so were the children of Israel, to increase in number. That was the sign of their fruitfulness. Now, I don't think as New Testament Christians and folk, God means us to take that absolutely literally, so that you're all meant to be producing families of 12 and 15 like they used to. No. What it does mean, though, is that part of our fruitfulness is that new people are coming to new life in Jesus Christ. That people are becoming disciples and growing as disciples. And so one of the signs of a healthy tree, of a healthy branch, of a healthy Christian church or denomination is that people are finding faith and hope and life in Jesus Christ through those branches. So we have to ask ourselves, as we have been quite a lot this year and last year, in what ways are we helping people to find faith? In what way are we sprouting the branch and growing the fruit so that new people are coming into that relationship? And the second kind of fruit is to do with the character of our lives. Now you know this uh, verse from Scripture very well. So number three... 
Who's right? Lithia's going to come and read number three. Oh yes, and two of and Poppy are going to come and do a double act on number three. So this is the second kind of fruit. The fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians chapter four. Right, read it again so that every, <coughs> some of these people are really slow of hearing. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians chapter 4. Thank you very much. So some of those fruits are about what's inside us, but most of them are only take reality when they're lived in relationship with others. I suppose you can be forbearing and patient with yourself, but mostly that is to do with other people, your own family, your neighbours, the community in which we live. And so our fruitfulness is to be seen in the kind of lives we lead and the kind of things we do with our lives, how we spend our time. I don't know if you caught this week on um, BBC World, um, on the news channel there, there was a little one, it was choosing between God and gangs. Anybody see that one? little clip? It's about a pastor in El Salvador. The little church, the only people in the church are ex-gang members, and many of them are murderers. The pastor himself says, somewhat chillingly, I've lost count of how many people I've killed. But he also says, by the power of God, I've become a new person in Jesus Christ. And how he is working with, you see him meeting prisoners as they come out of prison, and he's working with them to bring the gospel, to bring the fruit of the gospel into their lives, so that they are changed people. That's a fantastic work of fruitfulness. And down through the ages, in all of the world today, people are, are doing things to change the world, to make it a better place, to bring joy and light and healing and education and liberty to those who are oppressed. And that is part of our calling and part of our fruitfulness. Now, lastly, before Mark steps on and uh, whisks me off to one side, how is it that we are to produce this fruit? How is it that we are to be branches which are full of life and energy and bringing this good about? Well, it is simple to hear and hard to, sometimes hard to do. Jesus says, right, who's my fourth reader? Jesus says what we've got to do about it. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. John chapter 15. One more time. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. You cannot bear fruit. You can't produce any grapes unless you belong to Jesus. Wow, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? Unless we are connected day by day to Jesus, we're not going to bear fruit. But you know, it's also true that just as we have to be in him, he has to be in us. Because it is, because in a sense, Jesus can't do that much or chooses not to do that much without us. There's an interesting little saying, goes like this. By himself, God won't. By ourselves, we can't. Together, with God, we can. And so Jesus also talks about coming and remaining with us. That word remain, or abide, in the older version, comes about 11 times in this uh, passage that uh, Reuben read to us. 
And it has two senses. One is taking up residence in. So you remember the two chaps walking from to the road of Emmaus after the death of Jesus? And they get to the end that they say to the stranger, please come and stay with us. Come and be in our house, abide with us. That's the word. The Samaritan people, when they'd heard about Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan, please stay with us. Come and take up your residence with us. So Jesus wants us to take up our residence, as it were, with him. But at the same time, he wants to live in us because it is about a partnership. So Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come into your the house of your life. So this relationship is about remaining in Christ so that Christ lives in us and we live in him. Now, we can do a whole lot of other sermons on what it, Tom, what do you mean by remaining in Jesus? What does it mean to be connected to Jesus like the branches connected to the tree? Well, as I said, that's, that's for another time. The two most obvious ones are letting, dwelling on his word. Jesus says, if my words remain in you. So it is getting to grips with God's word. And of course it is, it is being in his presence consciously in prayer. But we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll leave that for another time. That's two things. I'm going to leave you with a last analogy about this remaining, which has nothing to do with vines. If Jesus was here today, he probably wouldn't talk about vines. He would talk about renewable energy. Yesterday, I bought a second-hand electric car. It's coming later this week, so I'm quite excited about this electric car. And of course, one of the questions you have, if you've ever thought about this, is how do I charge this thing? Well, I've learned all about that. And probably most of the time, it's going to sit outside my front door, and there's going to be a cable going from my house to my car, and it's going to be charging. And it's going to be charging maybe 12 or 13 hours, if I get one of the faster ones, eight or nine hours. But actually, every day, that car is going to sit there being charged up for the energy that's in my house. And I thought that was a particularly modern example, like the vine, if you like, of what it means to be connected up to Jesus. That day by day, we're linking it into him so that the energy that's there and the life that's there in the house, in the 13-amp sockets, can flow out from there into that car. And then I can go around for 90 miles smiling smugly, thinking that I'm, pro- I'm producing fruitless, fruit, non, non-nasty things in the world. But anyway, I shall go around feeling very holier than thou. And uh, try not to run you over because they're all so quiet. Uh, so, but that, I think I, I, that is a great picture of what it means day by day to be connecting in so that the life of God, in this case electricity, but in the case of the vine, the, the energy that comes from the trunk flows out. Why? So that we might bring goodness and health and healing and vibrancy to the world. Oh, Victoria, that's lovely. And I'm nearly finishing. And, and glory to God. So Jesus said, what did he say, guys? Jesus said, I am the vine. What did he say? I am the vine. And you can have lots of grapes, and they're nearly all gone. And you can finish them off. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful ways in which Jesus teaches us in pictures about himself. And we pray now that at this moment, as we walk out of this church, in the week ahead, we'll stay grafted into you, connected into you, working with you in partnership, 
to bring fruit to the world. In your name we pray it. Amen.